0: Happy Valentine's Day. I see you're smiling. Yes, many people have heard that greeting today. I check the website and try to see what is the origin of this day. Depends on what your source is as to what your conclusion is. So I'm not going to bother with that. But what's interesting is what happens in some countries. I had the privilege, by the way, of working in both Korea and in Japan, in the Far East. And in uh, these two countries, there's an interesting custom. I almost wish I was there, because what happens is all the women are expected, in fact, they are required, it's obligatory, to give chocolates to all the men with whom they work. It's called called giri choco, obligatory chocolates. And the women don't quite like it. Today's news said that the women, 60% of the women are fed up with that. That's in Japan okay they're not happy with that now there is another day by the way later on that is called white day this is in uh, both countries Japan and Korea in which the men are expected to reciprocate the problem is most men only give something to their girlfriends they ignore all the other women who grace them with all those nice things white day that's because they're supposed to give white chocolate or marshmallows that was the origin of that of course there's a third day another month later Okay, so March 14 was White Day, and there is another day, April 14, called Black Day. That's a special day in Korea, set aside for all the men who never got any Valentines. And this is true, they get together, and they go out together, and they eat Chinese style noodles in black sauce and they commiserate. They were the ones that is black day in Korea. Okay, now I know I'm sharing this with you, but it's interesting the different customs people have in different places. Very interesting. In fact, some people call Valentine's Day Singles Awareness Day, which in case you hadn't noticed, the acronym spells what? Singles Awareness Day is what? Sad. (laughs) Anyway, as I was thinking about this day, it just so happens that this is the first meeting we're having. And I thought I wanted to share with you something important about this whole concept of love. So before we actually begin, can you just pause with me for prayer? Holy Father, I pray that you will now speak through me Speak to me, Lord, so that the words that I share will indeed be words from on high. Bless everyone here. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. Maybe I can share my own Valentine story. By the way, this is a time in which a lot of people, in fact, they say this is one of the major holidays. For, um, what's it? A billion with a B Cards are sent all over the world. It's the second most popular holiday for sending cards. An incredible day. And in fact, let me just uh, look at the wall for a moment here. Here's a picture I wanted to share with you. We uh, Many of you know the story of Honest Abe, Abraham Lincoln. And uh, we wanted to show you a PowerPoint slide here of uh, Abe and his wife. We'll move on. <laughs> Okay, Um, we can keep it, go to the next slide later on. But Valentine's Day is a day in which everybody feels you have to do something for somebody else, for lovers, for people who care about each other. And so what I want to do is share with you briefly my own story. Why? I want you to get to know me a little better. And I'm hoping to get to know some of you. I've met several of you already. If I forget your names, please forgive me. But I'm meeting a lot of people and I thank God for that privilege I hope I can recall who you are. It was several years ago, in fact, it was the bicentennial year, 1976, that I arrived here in the United States from my home country, South Africa. I was 25 years of age, and I was what I call triple S, single and seriously searching. Yes, I did come to do my master's degree at Andrews University, but I was single and seriously searching for, guess what? A spouse. And as I looked across the lay of the land, I happened to notice a young lady. She had just recently accepted the Seventh-day Adventist faith, and she was overjoyed and bubbly and, and just... Uh, she loved the Lord. And uh, as she was reflecting, as I was reflecting on her and noticed what a wonderful person she was. I said, look, this is the young lady that I need to get to know better. She was sharing her experience with me as she got to know Christ. And, and, and as I watched her, I found out that, wow, this is somebody I need to pursue. It just so happened that her name was Sue. And I began to pursue Sue. And as I began to pursue Sue, she loved the Lord. She wanted to go and share her, share her testimony with many others. And so she signed up to be a student missionary. Well, she was also a lifeguard. And I began to find out that my interests moved from running (laughs) to swimming. (laughs) And I was down at the pool regularly. Now I know there are some guys here who might be a little more mischievous than I I was. And so what did I do? I went to swim. There are some guys here who might act as though you were drowning, right? So that Sue could rescue you. I didn't do that. I swam my laps and had a chance to get to know Sue day after day. Of course, she signed up to be a student missionary to go to South Korea. And uh, for some unknown reason, just as I was switched from running to swimming... Suddenly now I developed an inexplicable missionary zeal. And so I went to the student missions office and I walked up there to Pastor Chester Damron and I said, Pastor Damron, I'd like to be a student missionary. And he said, where do you want to go, Ron? And I said, to South Korea. Guess why? Because Sue was going there. Now, I didn't tell Pastor Damron that. I said I'd like to go to South Korea and back then this is many years ago I said the bicentennial year which was 1976 long time ago I said uh, he said to me but Ron the uh, South Koreans they want to learn American conversational English he said can you speak American conversational English I said yes sir I can and he said look I'm gonna ask you one word pronounce this word for me please B as in boy E E N as in Nancy. I said, oh, that's been. He said, I'm sorry, Ron. Here in the United States, that's been. And if you live in Michigan, it's Ben, B-E-N. Now, I'd been, been in the United States for a year, and I still hadn't noticed that. Now, by the way, in the Bible, there's an interesting story, in the book of Judges, chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, of those Gileadites, at the Jordan River, when those Ephraimites were trying to cross, remember that story. And then they got to the river, uh, to the fords of the Jordan. And the Gileadites said to the Ephraimites, and they said, "Are you from Ephraim?" "No, I'm not." They said, "Okay, one word. Pronounce Shiboleth." And those people could not pronounce their s's, s'h's, and they said, "Siboleth." And what happened? More than forty thousand of them, according to the scriptures, lost their lives. I flunked the one-word test. They lost their life. I felt like I had lost my wife. But, you know, there's a text in the Bible which I can apply to some degree. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, He who endures to the end will be saved, right? And I went back to the student mission's office again and I applied to go as a student missionary and by this time, apparently, I had learned how to pronounce bin properly. And they accepted me. Okay, and in case you don't realize it, the, 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 there's quite a radical difference between English in different parts of the world. You know, in fact, as I came in today, this, around lunchtime, I heard somebody out there at the door, and I said, hmm, she must be from the UK. You know the difference? Of course, you say, if you're sitting at the table, you say, the Americans, please pass me the butter. The British, please pass me the butter. And by the way, I was in, Japan, in, in Zimbabwe, and I used to tease my students. They used to say, please pass me dabata. Very different way of pronouncing things, okay? So here I was, and I was now excited because I'd been accepted to go to South Korea as a so-called student missionary. I have a question, by the way. Anything wrong in being a student missionary? Correct, you're right. What was my problem? Motive, yes, you're right. Wrong motive, wrong reason. Now when I had grown up, incidentally, somewhere I had learned, imbibed the theory that if your heart's not in it, don't do it. And I believed that very firmly. But here was an interesting case. It's good for me to go as a student missionary, even though I had the wrong motive. Should I go? And incidentally, I learned something very important. Because you know, there's a text in the Bible, if you have your scriptures with you, I'm going to read you a verse that makes me rethink that old concept. If your heart's not in it, don't do it. James chapter 4, verse 17. That little book of James chapter 4, verse 17 And I want you to look at that right here. And this is a very important lesson that I want to share with you right at the beginning as I share my personal testimony. I thought to, to begin our series together, I would share with you my story, become a little better acquainted. And of course, because it tied in beautifully with today, the Valentine's Day, it's also, of course, a story about love. And you'll hear that in a few minutes. But notice what it says here. James chapter 4, verse 17, reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? It is sin. Now, here's the question. If it's a right thing to go as a student missionary, I should go. And I said, wait a minute. Here's an interesting lesson. If you know it's the right thing to do, even if your heart is not in it, then what? Do it. And let God change your heart. You know why? Because Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and what? Desperately wicked. Very important lesson I learned. And incidentally, we are here in a university setting. And you know, many times, yes, I was at college, I was at university, uh, as Dr. Winslow has indicated, for quite a few years, obviously. There are certain rules and regulations that I didn't always like. But you know what's interesting? If you know there's a rule, there's a regulation, go ahead and do it and have God change your heart. Give you a quick example. You're here on the I-10, close by. You hate traveling at the speed limit. I'm going to warn you. (laughs) You better do it. Travel within the speed limit because it's the right thing to do and ask God to change your heart. Very important lesson. Let's go back to our story. So I, of course... Signed up, I began to raise funds for it, and get ready to go, and Sue was going. Remember, I was really not going as a student missionary. In fact, sometimes I call, I call this message to soul, because she was going to soul, to soul in search of a soulmate. Subtitle, Confessions of a Miss, M-I-S-S, of a Miss Directed Missionary. So here I was, getting ready, all excited. Now, I wasn't dating Sue. I was pursuing Sue, okay? And that's why I wanted to go. But you know what's interesting? Around the same time, another young man arrived at Andrews University. He was a year older than I. He came to study at the seminary. And he, too, was triple S. Single and what? Seriously searching. And one of the first questions that Tom asked me was, Ron... Do you know of any wonderful Seventh-day Adventist committed woman here on this campus? And almost instantaneously, I responded, Yes, of course I do. Who? And I began to tell Tom all about Sue. You're smiling. Naive. Oh, well, to some degree, yes. And I began to tell him what a wonderful young lady she was. She was healthy, healthy. And she loved the Lord, she was, she'd signed up to go as a student missionary, and she was full of the zeal, pure first love for the Lord. I told him with so much enthusiasm that Tom went to check it out. By the way, a quick question here. If somebody comes to you, and and you're a Christian, you love the Lord, and they ask you, what is the most meaningful, wonderful relationship that you've ever had? What are you going to bubble over with? Your love for the Lord, right? Can you keep quiet? Absolutely not. If your heart is so full of your love for Jesus Christ, you are going to tell that person. Well, that's what I did. And Tom checked it out, and he pursued Sue more vigorously than I had done. Make a long story short, folks. Amazingly, almost inexplicably, Sue canceled her call to go to Korea oh no, what should I do now? If only I hadn't been so persistent. If only I hadn't gone back to that student missions office, the campus ministry's office a second time to almost beg them to go. I didn't know what to do. I'll be honest. I was so embarrassed. If I had gone back to Pastor Demeron and said, Uncle Chet, I've changed my mind. <laughs> I think he would have been sharp enough to say, wait a minute. Who else has canceled going to Korea? So I decided I'm going to go anyway. I felt like maybe Jonah, that reluctant missionary. Remember, the Lord sent that large fish along that swallowed him up and spewed him out at the place where he needed to go. And here I was going to Korea to pursue Sue, who wasn't going to Korea. But you know what I said? If... It's the right thing to do what should we do do it and have god change your heart and i'm going to jump ahead yes the lord did change my heart which is why dr winslow could introduce me by saying ron spent four years in the far east because once i got there i enjoyed mission work and stayed on and went back and just had a wonderful time but i fast forward i've got to backtrack a little bit here I arrived in Korea in August 1978. Began to work there in Seoul without who I thought was going to be my soulmate. Six weeks after I arrived, I heard that two more student missionaries were arriving. One was a friend of mine from Andrews University. I was glad he was coming, then I'd have somebody I knew. And with him was a name, some young lady from Union College. Well, they arrived on October 4, 1978, and I went to the lady's house, not to find her, but I didn't know her, and I went there, and I knocked on the door, and she opened the door. And the moment she opened the door, something strange happened, inexplicable. The moment I looked at it, by the way, you know what happens when they say you're facing death, your whole life of the past flashes before you. This time I wasn't facing death. This time I was facing something else. And it it was like the opposite was happening. Because the moment I saw this young lady, a thought crossed my mind and it went this way. This is the young woman I would like to marry. I don't understand it. Love at first sight? No, no, it wasn't love at first sight. I call it recognition, okay, of potential at initial observation. (laughs) Why do I call it that? Because you see, love grows. Am I right? Okay, I recognized something in that young lady that day when I looked at her. Now, unfortunately, it took her a while to recognize the same thing that I believe God was leading me to. It took a few months. Fortunately, by the time she arrived, I had been asked to be the student director of that school right there uh, in Wies- at Wieseng at Wan at the hospital there. And so I was in the role. I was the student director. And guess what I did? Maybe a little conniving, some of you might consider it very clever, I'm not sure. But I made sure that her classroom was right next door to mine. I made sure that she was free when I was free. I made sure that her talents and everything could coincide where I was working. She didn't like it at all. But it took a while and she began to see the light. Because you know, some of us are slow learners, all right? And we began to work together. She played the piano for, for song service. I led us with the music. And I we worked together. We both loved the Lord. That's why we were there serving as student missionaries. And as time went on, I realized, you know, I thought I was coming to South Korea to follow my soulmate. And instead, here I had arrived and the Lord had provided. Let me share with you another text. Set. It's a beautiful one. Psalm, Psalm chapter 84, verse 11 psalm 84 verse 11 this is such a wonderful passage in the bible i've got to share it with you because you know sometimes we with wrong motives wrong reasons do things that um well well the lord understands and he's so gracious to us here i was going to korea for the wrong reason and uh, of course the right thing yes But the wrong reason. But look at what, look at what Psalm 84 verse 11 says. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Now here's what I love, this last part. No good thing will he withhold from those who what? Walk uprightly. And I just said, praise the Lord. When I, when I met Linda, the lights went on and we became better and better friends. As I said, love grows. That recognition of potential at initial observation. We got, became such good friends as we got towards the end of the year. We find that we found that we had many things in common. All kinds of things. We were both postcard collectors. How many people collect postcards of all things? We had so many things in common. We enjoyed traveling. And I turned to her one day. I said, you know, Linda, it wouldn't look good. We're getting towards the end of our time here. We want to travel. It wouldn't look good for two single student missionaries to go traveling together. Why don't we think about this more seriously? And then I said, you know, you've been such a good friend to me. We've been, we've enjoyed each other's friendship. Why don't we have our friendship last forever? That was my proposal. You know what? She got the message. She turned to me and gave a one word answer. Ditto. Just D-I-T-T-O. And so we got married and we traveled together. And when we came back, of course, oh, I didn't tell you the rest of the story about Tom and Sue, because, you know, you some of you, your curious minds were wondering, what happened to Tom and Sue? (laughs) Yes, I'll I'll tell you the rest of that story very briefly, since it's Valentine's Day. Tom and Sue were dating, and uh, they eventually got married. They got married before we left Korea. And Tom and Sue and I remained friends. We did. And as we remained friends, when we flew back, that is, Linda and I from South Korea on our way back to the United States, when we landed at the airport in Washington, D.C., guess who was there to pick us up? Tom and Sue. Yes. Some of you are saying, wait a minute, weren't you mad at Tom? Well, I guess the answer is um, maybe uh, not mad, But maybe a little jealous at first. Because you see, (laughs) when you find somebody who has characteristics and things that are better than yours, you might be jealous. But there's always something to learn from others. Isn't that true? Yes. Always, something you can learn. Why is it that Tom was able to win the heart of Sue? Aha, there was something to learn. And I thank God Tom and Sue have remained friends with me to this day. They picked us up at the airport, and we had a great time. Guess where we slept that night? With Tom and, at Tom and Sue's place, right there. We've been friends for a long time to this day. In fact, they don't live too far away, San Diego, right now. And if I get a chance, I'll probably drive down there and go and spend a little time with Tom and Sue. Very good friends. 20-something years later on. It's a very important lesson I want to share with you, especially young people. Sometimes you see this scenario, even here on campus, you might find a couple walking hand-in-hand hand or even arm over each other. Have you ever seen that? Okay, very clearly, very much in love. The next day, the guy is sitting at the table eating alone. And you walk up to him and say, Hey, Joe, where is Sue? Or, or wherever. And he says, oh, I can't stand her guts. He said, Wait a minute, I thought you, I saw you guys yesterday walking down the sidewalk, arm over each other, whatever. And he says, yeah, but you don't know what she just did to me, man. And what happens is people, unfortunately, go from dating to hating. Mm-hmm, you've seen that. Maybe even you've experienced that. But the And that happens overnight sometimes. But young people the opposite danger is even worse. Too many times people go from dating overnight to mating. Both dangers are bad things. Dating to hating, dating to mating. I want to share with you what I consider the best strategy. It's a biblical strategy. It goes this way. From dating, through communicating, through debating, through congratulating, through waiting for the wedding, then consummating and procreating. Do you agree with that? Yes. That's God's ideal for us. Now, the bad news is, since 1960, there has been an incredible increase in people so-called cohabiting. Five million Americans right now, Apparently, that's the statistics from last year. I saw something on the NBC Today show. Five million Americans unmarried together. Five million. An increase ten times since 1960 till 2005, over 45 years. And you know, this picture I got out of what's called the AARP magazine. AARP, those of you who know what it is, the uh, whatever, American Association of Retired Personnel, anybody who's 50, you can join them. So you know what I'm I'm telling you my age right now, okay? Once you get to 50, you, you can join this group. And I saw this, and you know what it says? Now, there are 5 million Americans who are doing this, but of the 5 million, more than a quarter million Americans who are unmarried together are in the over 65 age group yes so it's not just the young people or so forth a quarter of a million plus over 65 who are just living together and the bad news is this the bible message is still the right message because what happens from this type of thing nbc had the study that they just shared as i said the increase was phenomenal but you know what they found out? The people who sleep together before they get married are more likely to break up after they do get married. And people who sleep together, who have kids, by the way, to, to a husband and a wife, let's say a woman and a man, who have children, they sleep together before marriage, they get married, guess what? They are twice as likely to divorce as those who don't sleep together before they get married. The Bible is still right, folks modern research is supporting god's ideal for us i'm going to get back to my story okay so i just thought i would share the latest information that comes from this as i said tom and sue are friends to this day and i thank god for that you see the lord leads us in our lives he teaches us many many important lessons i want to challenge you all of you be open to the lessons the lord wants to share with you and wants you to learn as you interact with others and by the way guys and gals if you get to know somebody you enjoy a friendship and break you break up that doesn't mean you should hate that person hopefully you can still be friends another short story I should share with you in between my own valentine story here I'm sharing I remember when I was a high school student academy student my first love really you know what happens in your academy puppy love they call it and I had been dating a young lady And uh, we were good friends, very good friends. She was considered by the guys as the girl to get, and I was so proud that I was now dating her. You know what the saying goes? Pride goeth before what? Before a fall. So I was strutting around, uh, I was dating this young lady. And then along came another guy. She was, by the way, about the 10th grade. I was probably a 12th grade student. Along came another guy, and uh, he had a job, and he was... He had a nice, he had a car and he swept her off her feet and she dropped me like a hot potato. Oh, and that hurt. Boy, it did hurt. You know what happens when you're a kid? It really hurt. But I stopped and the Lord taught me something that I'd experienced that I had to share with you here in between my own Valentine story. What did the Lord teach me? I, it was almost like God asked me two or three questions. Number one, Ron, did you really love And her name was Eileen. Did you really love her? And I said, yes, Lord, of course I did. You know, the natural first response. Next question. Is Eileen happier with Mike than she was with you? Hard question. And I thought, I said, yes, Lord. She is happier with Mike than she was with me. Question number three. If you really loved her, aren't you happy for her now? Difficult question. That's when I came to the conclusion, genuine love is total concern for the other person's happiness. I'm glad there's one person who agrees with that. Did you hear what I just said? Think about that for a moment. Genuine love is ultimate, is total concern for the other person's ultimate happiness. God taught me an important lesson. By the way, Mike and Eileen remain friends to this day. Because when Linda and I came back after we stopped and visited with Tom and Sue, we went then on to South Africa to meet the rest of my family. My parents had come to the wedding in South Korea. And so we went on to South Africa. And guess where Linda and I went for Sabbath lunch with Mike and Eileen? And I praise God, He has taught me lessons through this. Folks, it's very important, our interpersonal relationships, we've got to find ways to get to grow in Christ, to learn how to love each other. Let's go back to my own story now. We got married, as I said. We leave Mike and Eileen and Tom and Sue out of the picture right now. We got married, we came back to the States, we set up home. We had the marriage covenant, yes, And now we set up home and we began to live together and to enjoy and to grow together. As we began to dwell together, we began to appreciate each other more. Love takes time, folks. Those first few years are not the easiest ones, okay? Some of you might say, whoa, I didn't know you were the only one. Uh, I was the only one struggling. Yes, those first few years take adjustment, but through God's grace, if you make Jesus the center of your life, the center of your home, you will grow together and over time, we grew together and incidentally, if you picked up my cell phone, perhaps by accident if I dropped it somewhere, and you look through the contacts there, you will get to my home, it simply says the palace, that's the number that's what it's called because my queen lives there I'm learning more and more to appreciate the woman that God sent into my life. In a certain sense, Linda rescued me from the slavery of singledom. Yes, I thank God for that woman. She has been such a blessing in my life. And and guess what, guys? When I grew up, I hated doing the dishes. I found every excuse not to do them. I used to play the guitar for the youth group I used to uh, sing with and so forth, lead out. And when my mother used to say, Ron, come and help with the dishes, I would say, no mom, I'm sorry, I can't, it's going to ruin my ministry. She said, what? I said, yeah, you see, if I wash dishes... Back then we didn't have dishwashers, I'm talking about several years ago. Uh, then my fingers will get too soft and uh, the calluses on my fingers, you know, that have formed over time. I wouldn't be able to play the guitar, I will not be able to lead out with my youth ministry. And my mom accepted my excuse. She found out it to be true, by the way, because later on I taught her to play the guitar and she got calluses on her fingers, so when she put her, her uh, st- uh, what do you call it, Hose on, they call it stockings back in South Africa. When she put her hose on, she got runners in her hose. I said, yeah, mom, I told you it would ruin my ministry. Because you do do get those calluses. But I found every excuse not to help with the dishes. But guess what, guys? Guess who does most of the dishes at home now? Not true, we have a dishwasher, okay. (laughs) But 80% of the time, I do the dishes. Not because I love the dishes, but guess who it is that I love? My wife. And I will do things for her, the laundry. Yes, believe it or not, those things I do because I love Linda who rescued me from singledom. When I think of rescuing me, and I think of what God did for His people. Go back for a moment in time, thousands of years back to the time when the Israelites were in slavery right there in Egypt. When they were in slavery, God came along and rescued them from literal slavery. Remember the story? And as you read through the story, it's fascinating. They came there to Mount Sinai. God made a covenant with them. And then in chapter 24 of Exodus, it talks about the people who ratified the covenant, who agreed with the covenant that God gave them. And in the next chapter, fascinating... God rescued them. God made a covenant with them. They accepted the covenant. There's a relationship that's being formed. And now in chapter 25 verse 8, interestingly, 25 verse 8, now that they've got the covenant made, God says this, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God wanted a visible, physical place that the people could see as a constant reminder that their God is dwelling among them. Now, by the way, I'm sharing my own story as a kind of a modern-day parable of the way God works with us. And as I think of Linda, who rescued me from the slavery of singledom i see god rescuing his people and then wanting to dwell among them in that sanctuary we're going to talk a little bit about the sanctuary as we go through the series a couple of entire meetings deal with this whole concept what is the sanctuary all about and we will share with you interesting lessons that god will share through me about the sanctuary but i thought this is interesting how god wanted to live with his people now you know folks, as I said at the beginning, I went to Korea to look, to try to pursue Sue. It didn't work out. But you know, God works in incredible ways because He cares for us. A beautiful passage comes to mind. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You know the passage? If you don't turn in your Bibles, I want to read it for you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Because we serve a God that loves us. And in spite of the wrong motives we sometimes have, He is looking out for our best. Because He really wants to shower us with His love. And I want to read to you from the New International Version. Beautiful passage. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Notice what he says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's the kind of God we serve. A God that is constantly looking out for us. A God that cares about us. A God that wants us to have a hope and a wonderfully bright future. We serve a great God. I want to share a little more about that through this series. To get you to see the God that we as Committed Christians are serving. Wonderful God. I want you to turn now back to the, to the New Testament. Go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5. A few verses there I'd like to share with you. To see what kind of a loving God do we serve. What has He done for us? And also how? Because as we go through the series, we're going to dig deep and Find much more about this beautiful God, this wonderful loving God we serve. Incidentally, the title for tonight is Virtuous Valentine, the love of your life. Now, I'm not talking about my wife. Even though she is a wonderful Valentine, the virtuous Valentine, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Look at Romans chapter 5. Briefly, verse 1, 2, and especially verse 5, verse 1 from the New King James Version, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 2 verse 5, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, has, who was given to us. I love the way the New Living Translation puts that, that verse, verse 5. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. God dearly loves us. Wonderful passage. Go down to verse 8. How much does God love us? Look at the way verse 8 puts it. But God demonstrates His love, His own love toward us. How? How does God demonstrate His love toward us? In that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. You know what I call this? Love at first sight, while we were still sinners, and in a certain sense recognition of potential when Christ looked at us, he recognized the potential of us being saved right, love at first sight, this is what God has done through Jesus, keep your hand in Romans, I want you to go briefly to 1st John chapter 4 verse 9, because it's put very very beautifully there, and then we'll come back to Romans again 1st John chapter 4 verse 9 close to the end of the Bible, a few books before the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. And I love the way the New Living Translation puts that also. New Living Translation, God showed how much He loved us by sending His only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him that's how much god loved us sending his only son jesus christ let's go back to the book of romans back to that same verse romans chapter 5 verse 8 god demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us if there's one line i'd like to leave you with it is this one very simple sentence Just nine or ten words, the line reads, Let the Lord be the love of your life. Would would you say that with me? Let the Lord be the love of your life. One more time. Let the Lord be the love of your life. God loves you, folks. He loves me. In fact, there's an interesting verse also in the book of Romans, a few chapters further on, go to chapter 8, that explains it in beautiful uh, terms, very, very large terms, almost, almost exaggerated language. But it's not exaggerated because it's talking about the love of God. The last two verses of Romans chapter 8 says it incredibly well. Uh, by inspiration, the Apostle Paul says, Romans chapter 8 verse 38 and 39 For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In simple terms nothing Absolutely zero. Nada. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. In simple terms, say it with me. Let the Lord be the love of your life. Incredible story I came across just this Christmas. Beautiful story. A simple story. Happened in New York. Her name was Diana Abad. 33 years of age. She went to the doctor. And the diagnosis was leukemia. Leukemia. Nine months to live. Just nine months to live. What to do? What to do? She had to put things in order. She went to find out what could be done. Went to that national uh, National Marrow Donor Program Registry. And they put her name in, and they found out that of the four million possibilities, there was only one match for her. And the donor hadn't even agreed to donate his bone marrow. She waited. The response came, yes, he would be willing to do that. And so in March 2000, about six years ago, sure enough, she went and there, as she was waiting for that life-giving fluid to come, to be dripped into her, she waited and wished it would take. And sure enough, the transplant took. When everything was getting better, she decided she was going to write a letter to the donor, anonymously because nobody she didn't know who it was she wrote a letter and said thank you and here are her actual words listen carefully you don't know the joy i am experiencing i hope that one day we can meet and i can thank you in person several months went by news came back and the young man his name was david mason mason 34 years of age, and they began to talk on the telephone. And as they began to talk, they became better acquainted. And one day, unexpectedly and unannounced, David showed up at Diana's door. And the moment she opened the door, there he was. And she says, It was love at first sight. (laughs) Some of you might say, it was what? Recognition. Of potential at initial observation. But let me ask you the question. If you meet the man who was responsible for saving your life, wouldn't you too want to fall in love with him? That's right. And there she was. They became friends. They began a long-distance relationship. took years. And in December 2004, David proposed... To Diana. And what do you think she said? Yes. Yes. She accepted his proposal. When I think of that incredible story, David was the only match, just the only one of four million people whose names were on that registry. The only one whose life-giving marrow could save her life. It makes me think of every one of us because in a certain degree, to a certain extent, every one of us is suffering from spiritual leukemia. We're all in the, in the situation of dying of this sinful cancer. Right? Our blood is painted. And you know what's interesting? Of all the possibilities, there is only one match, folks. Only one match. And interestingly... The Bible refers to him as the son of whom? The son of David, right? Jesus Christ, the son of David. And I have a question for you this evening. If David, that is the son of David, Jesus Christ, shows up at your door unexpectedly, unannounced, and you realize that this is the one who was willing to give life to you, So that you won't have to die. And then he turns to you and he says, I want to have a close covenant relationship with you. I want to have a spiritual marriage with you. So that we can live together. Just the way, to some degree, David said to Diana, My question to you is, are you going to accept his proposal? Are you going to say, yes, son of David, I want to be connected to you because you died to save my life. What is the phrase I would like you to remember? Let the Lord be the love of your life. Can you say that with me? Let the Lord be the love of your life. I want to make a brief appeal right here. I want you to reflect on it. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I want you to think about it. And then I want to pray for you. Are you going to let the Lord be the love of your life? The son of David who died to save you. Let's pray a moment here. Holy Father, thank you so much for Jesus. The son of David the only match that can be found for our leukemia of sin. Thank you for his willingness to give us life. And Lord, I pray that everyone here this evening, everyone who hears my voice, everyone who hears your voice, Father, will be willing to say yes to Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Yes, as He proposes a covenant relationship so that we all can live with Him, dwell with Him for eternity. In the name of Jesus, the Son of David, I pray these things. Amen.